1390 AM, The Fan. Good afternoon, Cash Valley. Hope you're a wonderful Monday. Or, no, sorry, Tuesday. It's a Tuesday. Dude, it's, it's, it's not good. It's it's blurring me. All right? I mean, first... Feels like a Monday. Yeah, well, well okay, like, it feels like it's March still. All right? All three months have been blurry. Now well, the week's blurry because we had a day off. Weekend. And it snowed over the weekend, so then you're like, what the fetch? This is bad. This is bad, folks. This is not good. It's the end of the world. <laughs> no, it's not. It's the end no, of the not. world. Yes, no, it is. Not. This week is supposed to be really nice. Nice and warm. Well, I was hot, in Bear Lake, and it was hot, raining. in fact, over the weekend. It was raining, then it would stop, and it'd be 90, then it'd be rain again, then it'd be 90. I, I couldn't make up its mind. I uh, hope you're enjoying your uh, your Tuesday. Hope your weekend, your long weekend, was great. Uh, Eric Franson there. I'm Ajay Salveson on the Full Court Press. 401 which your kickoff time. 402 now. Uh, again, beautiful day in Cash Valley. A lot to get through. NHL making some uh, decisions uh, and just jumping straight to the playoffs. We'll get into that. Is that bad? Is that good? And should the NBA follow up? Speaking of the NBA, they're going to get players start backing in or back into facilities by next Monday. Uh, they've uh, it's been released that there was a letter released to the league or to the teams. Get or recall your players back to their home or to their states. Uh, where they play basketball so they can get back and get going. Uh, so uh, it's it's coming back. Sports is coming back. And speaking of which, coming back, are fans going to be allowed to come back for college football? There is discussion that there could be a likely chance that there could be we could see fans in the stands. We don't know how many. We don't know what the percentage would be. But for fans in the stands to be at the game. And then, of course, there's that priority reason of who can go first, who can go last, how do you do the selection. So a lot to get through here here on the Full Court Press. Again, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, and then 106 on the fan.com. By the way, uh, I I happened to look at our uh, our podcast numbers over the weekend. That Craig Smith interview is just a tad popular. For good reason. Good. Yeah, great response on it so far. If you missed it, it was a... Because I understand some people maybe on a Friday you were getting out of town a little bit early for a long weekend. Go listen to it. It was a great interview. We had a lot of fun talking to Coach Smith. Uh, we talked about international recruiting. We talked about the new guys that he just signed. We talked about the rest of the what the roster might look like next year. Um, it, and really talked about some details that before had not really been heard or made public about what went down with Abel Porter and his decision to still play basketball and go to Ohio State where we were all led to believe that he was done with basketball, and then yet we hear, oh, he's in the transfer portal. Oh, it doesn't mean anything. Oh, he's going to Ohio State. Apparently it does mean something. But So Craig Smith talked a little bit about that. Really interesting how he weighed in on that, and he has no ill will against no Porter at all. No, and, and you know what? Honestly, nor should he. The guy gutted out 20 minutes of basketball with an incredibly bad backed out. I mean, I, it had to be hanging on threads at one point in the Mountain West Conference Championship game. Uh, dealing with that backcourt, which is just brutal. And Abel Porter gutted out every single minute because Barristow had injured himself. Uh, and so, or I guess got injured. I shouldn't say injured himself. Got injured. Uh, and and I, it was a broken arm, is what Craig Smith said, by the way. Um, I'd heard a couple other things, but coming from Craig Smith, it was a broken arm. Uh, and he was out. Uh, and, but he'll be back, by the way. I think he said he will be should be good to go uh, come uh, come fall. As we get ready for the 2021 basketball season, which should be exciting. They got two new signees. He's excited about them. 
Really, really excited about them. The the one thing that I got and that he continually said about both players, uh, Shulga and uh, I know he but well I don't know if he butchered the last name, but what was it? So was it Sapala? He never committed on how to pronounce yeah. his last name. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I was wrong. <laughs> but he said both those guys, Eric. Do you see? He corrected us on his first name pronunciation, though. <laughs> he did. Shimon. Yeah, Shimon, right? Yeah, Shimon. Uh, that they're both athletic. Like, I mean, when he emphasized the word athletic for both kids, uh, so that right there is is pretty exciting news. And, and he did touch on now his name slipping my mind real quickly, but he did touch on the kid from Montana. Who was Mr. Basketball in Montana? Oh, uh, Ronnie, uh, is it, you know, uh, freaking name. I know, it's just... Rolly, Rolly. Rolly, Rolly Worcester. Thank you. Yes, he talked about him a little bit as well, not to be forgotten, because he is definitely part of the future class of Utah State University. Yeah, that's a heck of a class coming in. So go listen to it. Uh, great interview. We had a lot of fun with Coach, and you know, if you've ever heard him, he's not one for uh, <laughs> loss of words. Uh, we had like... Two or three more really important questions we wanted to discuss with him, but he was, we just had to cut it short because of time. We did get a chance to talk a little bit off air with him about a few things, but we'll keep uh, those um, conversations off. Yeah, it wasn't like huge dramatic, you yeah. know, nothing like you, you wouldn't be missing out on, but some clarification things. But it, regardless, um, it, it's really interesting how this team is coming together and for Utah State basketball, and that uh, you know, Nimi is coming back. You've got a couple other really good key players coming back, some great players that we haven't seen in a uniform yet who will be introduced that uh, should be really key players. And uh, some of these new players that are coming along. And they still have one roster, or should be one a scholarship uh, available. And how they use that is still kind of up in the air. How they want, yeah. You could use it to give to a walk-on guy who hasn't who wasn't uh it doesn't have a scholarship yet but he's certainly earned his his keep uh, uh Abel Porter's a great example of somebody who did that you could go find a, a grad transfer uh a JC transfer give it to a new uh a high school type recruit so there's a lot of different things available for USU to look at and sometimes maybe that it's smart to hold on to it because you don't know somebody might flame out not be who you thought they were going to be somebody could get hurt and so you uh, may need it to try to fill a hole last minute that you were previously unaware of. So and, and they're in a good position. Yeah, oh, well, they're I'm in a great position. They're in a great position. And again, the best thing about what we heard in that interview, Eric, is the schedule is as is. I mean that they are finished with it. They're still going to go to Myrtle Beach as of right now, uh, compete against some very, very good basketball teams. Which, from the recruiting announcements we're hearing, they're only getting better. Uh, you get BYU and St. Mary's at home. And by the way, those are both while school is still in session, which is humongous for Utah State to have the spectrum packed with the USU herd and the students as well. Uh, so good news on that front that the schedule will still be there and that the BYU Cougars are coming to the spectrum to play the Aggies. Uh, Craig Smith is 0-2 against this team. He's fr- He suffered one blowout loss and then one loss where they probably should have won it but uh, just couldn't get the stops thanks to the talent of uh, TJ Haas and that Toulson kid man he was a baller too he was as good as they were, they were advertising him to be when he before he came to BYU uh Eric some breaking news uh and then we're gonna get into the rest of the uh meat and potatoes of the schedule but the Pac-12 has announced that they will allow voluntary in-person athletics workouts beginning June 15th that will be for all sports by the way so you're starting to kind of see that this restriction is being lifted you're kind of seeing at the I guess the light at the end of the tunnel if you will uh, and that uh, you are 
you're getting the uh, hope that there will be a full college football season. We hope it's a full college football season. Right, and over the last several days or the last week, we're seeing more and more schools announce that they will have, some of them, a, a hybrid on-campus model for learning. Others are saying we're going to open our doors. University of Utah and Utah State University, basically they made the announcement for Utah Board of Regents today that they will be open. Students will resume on-campus learning this fall in late August. So when that starts to happen, then these schools start, the athletic programs get the basically the green light, according to some statements that Mark Emmert made a few months back, that there need to be some form of students on campus before we can begin to think about or entertain the idea of having athletics taking place on campus as well. So more and more places are moving in that direction. Students are starting or are planning on reporting uh, this summer. Uh, within the next couple of weeks, some of them, um, with, uh, so they can start resuming some of their workouts to get ready for a fall season. Hey, by the way, if you want to participate in the show, you absolutely can by texting in at 435-339-0321, 435-339-0321 if you want to text into the show. Um, if you have unlimited texting, it's free then. It's just uh, the service, I guess your service that you're contracted with will charge you per text message as per your contract. So uh, again, if you want to text in, be more than happy to, 435-339-0321. Eric, what does this mean for fans though? Do you see confidence or do you have the hope and confidence that fans will be able to attend the game if we got students going back to school? I'm still not certain of that. I mean, things are warming up. We're into late May, but five new cases reported in Cache County today. So, you know, people are are, are, are getting out more. They're doing more. And granted, as it warms up, this virus should be tamped down dramatically but there's still concerns about when it starts to get cool again and people are starting to let down their guard a little bit and get together in these mass groupings. That's just a, a, a recipe for some, some bad things. So I'm, I'm not totally sure. And granted, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not an expert on these things, but just my hunch tells me that um, I, I don't know that we're in, in when we get to the fall that Open door, let everybody through, try to fill the stadium, fill of 25,000 people. I just don't know that we're going to have the green light to do that. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that things are progressed enough in a couple of months that we can do antibody testing or heat checks or whatever, and uh, we can be a little more mindful of doing the right things so we can still do that. But I don't know. Uh, Jay, I just don't know. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the biggest answer we're getting is we don't know. Now, according to Chris Little of ESPN, he feels like this will not be just your normal football season. It won't be a cookie-cutter return to college football. It's going to look different in Alabama than maybe it does at Michigan, than maybe it does at Cal, uh, all over the country. But every administrator, every coach, every AD, uh, a lot of the conference commissioners I talk to have hope, have optimism that they're moving in the right direction. And here's the key. What's it going to look like two months from now? What's it going to look like a month from now? What will local and state and federal restrictions be like? We don't know that, but certainly everybody I talk to thinks there will be football in some form in the fall. And ESPN's Heather Dinich, she is also cautiously, I should say, optimistic that we'll have a season that will start on time. I think that it's cautious optimism from the people who are actually making the decisions, the Power Five conference commissioners. 
you know, they continue to remind me when I speak to them that this is not even in their hands. So I think that we're still going to have to have a wait and see approach because there's no timetable for the return of college football as of yet. But I do think that seeing some of these student athletes come back in the month of June certainly sparks some of that optimism. Eric, the biggest question that we've had, I think, when we talked to Mr. Hartwell, the uh, vice president and director of athletics for Utah State, uh, the big money games, for especially for small schools. Not that Utah State's a small school, but there's other small schools that we talked It to- is a small school. When you look at the athletic budget, Utah State, it's a small school. Maybe not as small as some schools in the MAC. Yeah. Or the Sun Belt. But it's not big. Uh, and then, like, for example, when we talked to Casey Smitherweight, there was really huge fear that if they don't get to play these big money games, it's going to impact them. The interesting thing, and this is what Laura Rutledge uh, points out, too, is that that is the reason for the financial impact impact of it is that these cupcake games quote-unquote are really really important at this time people don't like those cupcake games quote-unquote but those universities that play those cupcake games and are unfortunately the cupcake of the game they make so many hundreds of thousands of dollars from playing those games those may be in jeopardy to some hundreds of thousands try millions, millions. add a yeah. zero there my yeah. friend yeah. it is huge and if those games don't happen, even in those big games that are non-conference games that are scheduled at your place, if there are, if you don't, uh, if you can't allow the full uh, stadium, if you have to like limit how many people can be in the stadium, that's still a big financial blow. The game is still able to happen, but you can't have a full stadium. It's still a financial blow because universities like Utah State, we've seen this many, many different times in different ways. When they see uh, significant non-conference games on their schedule, the, they raise the ticket prices on those. Mm-hmm. Whether you agree with it or not, sometimes I think they get a little too aggressive when they do that, but I understand why they do that. Hey, 9315 texted in. He said, I watched a pro rodeo in Arizona that w- was down over Memorial Weekend where all the fans in the stands were wearing masks, and they only had a half as many fans allowed, and so all were... Or oh, sorry, allowed in. So we're all the people that were do, helping out in the arena as well. So maybe it'll be something like that for football. They also said they took everybody's temperatures before they were allowed in the stadium area as well. I think that's going to happen. That if they do allow fans in, that they have them wear masks. I don't know if they take their temperature, though. That's actually a good thought. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, can you imagine the wait line time to oh, get in? Oh, dude, it'd be nuts. You have to show up two hours early because you're going to check everybody's temperature before they get allowed in. So what happens when you're just waiting in line with several thousand people and someone may be symptomatic that you're waiting in line with? It's, it's Yeah, it's hard. But when we look at the Pac-12 and some of the things that they're putting out there today about returning to campus and uh, athletic facilities can be used and things like that, um, they're going to do regular testing. Um, you need to be symptom-free, no fevers. Um, the showers, God, do it at home. Locker room, do as much of that as at home. Limit time in the locker room in common spaces. Uh, and so at least until things start to open up a little bit more and, and we get more into a, a full open stage where maybe this thing is behind us. But um, basically, they're, they're putting out some things that need to be met but it does open uh, create a path forward for these athletic teams to come back and start to resume some activities.
Yeah, and just, I think the biggest thing is that you have to be safe when you're doing this, and so they're going to take all precautions of measure, but if you allow fans into the stadium, and, I, and I'm not trying to bag on the fans in the situation, but doesn't that put you like, I mean, the a high risk of going back to square one if someone's sick again? Like, doesn't it just take out the fans? Because if someone does get sick sitting at a football game next to somebody else, then there's a lawsuit waiting to happen. I mean, even if even if the universe says, well, it was your choice to come or not, and you decide to come, they're still going to find a way to sue them. That's what scares me the most. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge. Do you set up a, a wider perimeter for uh, fever checking? And so you have multiple points where you're checking people so it's not a bottleneck. Uh, you check them when they're in their car as you're driving to the parking lot. I don't know. But it's uh, it's a challenge. It's going to be a huge challenge if you're going to try to say, look, we want as many fans in the stands as possible. But in order to do that, here's some of the other inconveniences perhaps you'll have to go through in order to do that. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, NHL is officially ending the regular season due to COVID-19 and is getting ready for the postseason. They have a plan laid out. We'll, we'll announce that plan, and then you'll hear from the commissioner, uh, Gary Bettman, who has uh, had a press conference, and he's uh, gave on some statements and comments about what the playoffs will look like and why he's doing uh, this, just going straight to the postseason. And then later on, we'll get to the NBA. They're also just trying to make a decision. Maybe a 1-16 through 16 team format. Why is it bad news for the Utah Jazz if they do this? We'll get to that and more. It's uh, Eric France and Andre Salves here on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Andre Salves here on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, and 106onthefan.com. Thanks for joining us, however, and wherever you are doing so here on a Tuesday afternoon. Hope your weekend was great. Welcome back. Uh, NHL is uh, getting ready to adopt a 2014 playoff if their season resumes, which means... Eric, Normally it's 16. Yep. They're going to skip the regular season buzz by it, and then just go ahead and go to the playoffs, but expanding it by eight. Like it or hate it? <sighs> fair or not fair, I guess is a better question. I get the uh, the idea of jumping straight to the postseason. I'm not sure I understand expanding the field. Okay, so here's my – here I'm going to play the devil advocate, but on the side of Gary Bettman at the time. The NHL commissioner, who, by the way, you'll hear a little bit of his bites, uh, sound bites from the uh, press conference he had today. Uh, you have teams who are, I think there was like four or five teams who are within range of making the NHL playoffs. Okay. You can't just say, well, you know what? You're cut off from the list because we decided that's the way it's going to be. This is how COVID 19 worked. I don't feel like that's a fair shot. Like, that's a fair shake for those teams who are a half a game or a game. Outside of it. Now, there are a couple teams that are two games outside of it. Maybe that's too much to push in. But the teams are at a half game or a game. Give them a shot. I guess I could see that because there's uncertainty at that point in mid-March about where things were going to finish out in you know a month later. 
uh, with still several games to be played, uh, team, it, that positioning could have changed. Who was in and who's out could have changed. So I, I guess I could see that, that you give them an opportunity uh, in a very unique circumstance. Um, I, I guess the way they would do it, the, the plan is that the top four seeds in each conference basically get a first-round bye. And they do a best-of-five play-in series for everybody else. Um, and from from that standpoint, I, I think there is some wisdom with the NHL. If you're at the bottom of the barrel, you're the bottom of the league, does it really make sense to come back, put yourself through a training camp, get ready for, uh, you know, you, you get yourself in high gear, get your training back, get your scheduling, and travel to some remote location where you're going to basically stay for who knows how many weeks, only to play a few games to finish what you had on your regular schedule and then still be done. You you had no hope of participating in the yeah. playoffs. Does it really make a lot of sense for those teams? And this is for the NHL and the NBA. Does it really make sense for those teams and those guys to really... Uh, you've been sitting on a couch for two and a half, three months now. All of a sudden, put yourself into high gear, get yourself ready, get your nutrition and your high exercise and your cardio and all this, and then get back together and train hard for a couple of weeks and then resume play for just a few games. Does it really make sense? And if we're talking about limiting exposure and trying to limit how many people are together in one space, maybe it makes more sense with the NHL plan. And say, look, let's just let's just have our, our teams that are going to play that we know they're going to be competitive, that are that we know are trying to get there, just limit it to them. Because if you're the the team that's been playing for the lottery for the last two months anyway of the regular season. Why or should we try to force you to come in here and and give another half-hearted effort again? Yeah. You've been giving a half-hearted effort for a while. So there's so many points that you brought up that are exactly what Gary Bettman was hitting on. Again, the NHL commissioner did a press conference today announcing uh, kind of where they stand and, and what they're hoping for here and accomplish this. So there's a lot of things to get through with him. Uh, it was really good sound bites. That's why we have him. Uh, the first thing is that about the regular season itself. For purposes of nomenclature, record keeping and NHL awards, the 2019-20 regular season has been deemed to be completed. Okay, that's good. Now talk to us about the playoff format. The top four teams in each conference will claim automatic berths in the first round of the playoffs. They will play intra-conference round robins each playing the other three teams to determine their respective seeds in the first round. These games will be played with regular season overtime and shootout rules with ties in the final standings broken by regular season points percentage. The remaining eight teams in each conference will play in best of five qualifying round series to determine which four in each conference advance to the first round of the playoffs. That's, <laughs> it's unique. It's different. Um, I don't know if it'll work. I, but the, and the craziest thing is, is that Gary Bettman does say this. Our fans are telling us in overwhelming numbers that they want us to complete the season, if at all possible. And our players and our teams are clear that they want to play and bring the season to its rightful conclusion. Is this the way to go about it, though? I mean, you have like, 
these teams and they got to play in just to get to the next fight next round and I mean it's is it a little bit longer than it should be but I guess with 24 teams that's the only way it can be huh um I feel like it's just longer than it really needs to be yeah it's just kind of odd I mean I, I get that okay let's let's trim it down let's you only do best of five but it just seems like there's a lot a lot of teams involved and then they got to look at a few things and they're looking at some hub cities much like the NBA is doing but um it, it's possible though that the NHL could be playing some games by mid to late June um yeah they got to get together they got to start training they got to start practicing um interesting when they want to do a Self quarantine because these players are all over now. I mean, people who knows where they've been the last two and a half months, and so they uh, they want them to arrive and be self quarantined for a little bit. It's going to take a little while before they can start training again. And um, but um, since Las Vegas seems to be losing out on being a hub location for the NBA, Las Vegas seems to be moving to the forefront as an up as a city. For the NHL, which could be interesting. Actually, you hit on to Gary Bettman's next point. We will resume play and conduct the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs in two hub cities that will be identified and announced at a later date. One will be the site for the resuming Eastern Conference clubs. The other will play host to the resuming Western Conference clubs. Each will have secure arenas practice facilities, hotels, and local transportation for our players, coaches, and essential staff. Okay, so my guess is the Eastern Conference plays in Florida, and the Western Conference would play either in Texas or in uh, Las Vegas. It's a possibility. Can Florida handle this much? I mean, we're throwing like, we're throwing NHL, NBA, some MLB, most likely, if they can get their crap together. That's, that's a whole nother different chapter in a book right now that you have to be reading to keep up with the MLB in their, in their crap show. But this is a lot. I mean, this is... They are full gore into going into Florida and just, hey, here's the playoffs for NHL. Hey, here is the NBA right here, right in, the, right in your lap. It's what the governor wanted. I just hope they can handle it all. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I... Florida has a lot of resources, have a lot of different venues, but Florida also is not necessarily been uh, at the forefront of doing things the right way and yeah, having their that's a good the point. residents in that in that state do things the right way. But it's not to say that you can't find a way to isolate and and to still make it work. So the the bottom line is is that they're creating a path forward, and there's not this. We don't know what's going on, you know, period that they're still in. So I think that's really helpful for a lot of these people that, okay, at least now I see how this is going to move forward and how that affects me, whether I'm in or I'm out. And should the NBA follow suit? Should it follow something similar? Because it sounds like the NBA is looking at something different. They're not decided yet but it looks like they're moving in a little bit different direction. We're going to get to that in just a minute really quickly. Gary Bettman, just talking about the way the system is, it pretty much echoing what we've already said before 
uh, about this playoff format? Obviously, these are extraordinary and unprecedented times. Any plan for the resumption of play, by definition, cannot be perfect. And I am certain that depending on which team you root for, you can find some element of this package that you might prefer to be done differently. But we believe we have constructed an overall plan that includes all teams that as a practical matter might have had a chance of qualifying for the playoffs when the season was paused. Uh, that kind of leads us into our next part. NBA is trying to figure out where they stand. Uh, and there was talk, Eric, that there would be a 16-team playoff format. And it had a, if, if you looked at the standings as they were, it would have the Utah Jazz as a 7th seed. Not bad. The bad news is the 10th seeded team is Houston Rockets. Someone who pretty much owns the Utah Jazz in the last three years. Right, because that, that would be, regardless of conference, it's just 1 through 16, based on record, right? The 16 team that you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, 5338 texts in says, NHL playoff proposal is a good compromise because of the regular season ending early. And, yeah, I mean, you look, there's not a lot of games that were left in the regular season. So I get it. If you're not in the hunt, does it really make sense to ramp up everything again, get all your people back together, the the cost and expense of it, the time and the energy of it, just to play a handful of games, just to say, yep, we're done. <laughs> I mean, really, it's just, it yeah. is only a handful of games. So it... <sighs> Expanding the playoff field to include those who were on the fringe, who had a chance, and it was uncertain with you know only a few games left to go. Uh, that it is a compromise, and I think expanding the playoffs for this purpose for these unique times, it's not a bad not a bad plan. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I guess, and you almost. I mean, I'm not saying that they're rushing to it. Rushing to close the season, but I guess just in this time, they're like, look, we don't want to lose any more money than we've already lost, which we've already lost a ton, as has every other major sport. You might as well just cut your losses and say, all right, let's see if we can finish this off on a high note, gather what revenue we can, and then just Still be able to crown a champion. Bingo. Yep, and I think that's where the NBA is too. By the way, 5338 texted in and says, Thurl Bailey's son is leaving Marquette two years early to enter the NBA draft. Is he even close to being good enough? Question mark. I'm going to say no capital letters, exclamation point. <laughs> there is no way. And I've seen him play. He's a decent ball player. He is learning and growing and progressing. But I've seen enough of Marquette basketball in the last year and a half to tell you that he's not ready. In fact, there's actually quite a few players who are leaving early this year for whatever reason that I can tell you right now, I can already with confidence tell you they're not going to get drafted there's yeah, a I'm, chunk of players i'm not aware of them. this this story i don't know if he's just declaring this to test the waters but at this point if you're declaring if you're going right going. well no, I, I mean Nimi ketta did that last year he was, but that's different i mean this is COVID 19 like the whole like you have no pro day well, we still don't know when your pro day is going to be we don't know when the combine's going to be you don't know we don't even know when the draft's going to be right yet right 
No, but you can have some conversations with teams, and they can give you some evaluations. I mean, it's hard to get a real good evaluation because you can't meet in person. Yeah, it would just... It would, it would mind mog me just a tad bit. Brandon Bailey, by the way, is the uh, is the young man who uh, served a mission, came home, went to Marquette, um, and has decided to forgo his final two years and go pursue professional basketball. I and you know what? Maybe what might happen here if they can is to go through that pathway of the uh, G League and make money that way. Mm-hmm. That might be kind of where somebody. In fact, is that just for high schoolers, or can college players who are like sophomores and juniors go through that? Uh, fair question. I don't know. I actually don't know that. I, I mean, because if that's an option, maybe you go to the G League and you just play there, improve your game versus really good, really good talent, and then if you get to the top where you're actually able to go play for an NBA team, I guess a, I, I, I would argue it's okay talent. I think you're going to be going up against better talent in the college level. Wait, what? I think you're competing against better talent at the college level than you would be in the G League. E, no. No, I'm sorry. That's. No. I think they're better organized teams. There's there's more depth. You're gonna go. You're gonna be playing against blue chip guys that are gonna be true legitimate NBA draft picks. In the G League, it's guys that thought they were good, but they're not that good. Yeah, I'm gonna have to disagree with you here, man. Watching, I've you well, think a G I, League team is better than some of the best college basketball teams in America? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Eric. This is the same discussion of would Alabama football beat the Cleveland Browns? No. Yes, it is. See, that's the exact same conversation we're having here. That's NBA talent. Look, whether they're in the G League or they're in the NBA of the show, whatever you want to call it, it's still talent that is better than collegiate level. You put a Kentucky squad versus the Salt Lake City Stars, the Salt Lake City Stars are going to win by 20. I don't know about that. Are you kidding me? That's a knock on on G League. Yeah. And that's not even close to being true. The G League actually has real talent. I, I don't, you, dis, I don't uh, dispute the fact that there are some talented players in the G League because there are guys that have gone through there that have been able to find a roster spot in the NBA. And play, the Utah Jazz have used that. Players are going to get a better look. look but you, I think you game in about, and game out, if, you're, if you are Kentucky, you're going to be going up against guys that are legit future NBA stars. If you're in the G League... Maybe not consistently. Of, maybe not consistently. Maybe in college would you do guys that? Sniff a roster. No way. Not consistently. Do you get to go against top collegiate guys? Now in the G League, you actually see guys who may not score thirty. You're not going to see five, five Zion Williamsons, but you're going to see a couple of RJ Barretts. You might see one who is. Uh, backup to Zion Williamson, who's still pretty damn good. He just doesn't put up the numbers and has the freak talent that Zion does. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna see that on a weekly, consistent basis in the collegiate level. You're gonna see that in the G League level because you'll see kids from Marquette, you'll see him from Kentucky, Auburn, Tennessee, uh, UCLA. You're gonna see kids from all over the country in every Power Five conference in that league. You're not going to get that Kentucky. I don't know how 
Look, I've seen G League basketball. I've seen a ton of it. And I could tell you clear as day, like, it, it's much better than collegiate basketball. Much, okay. If I'll, it is so much better, how come it doesn't get the ratings? How Why doesn't it oh, get the attention? Oh, G League basketball, man. Nobody knows about who's on any G League roster right now. But it, a lot of people could tell you what the starting five is going to be for any blue chip program in America. No, they couldn't. At the collegiate level. No, they couldn't. No, they couldn't. Not even Doug Golly could tell you right now who the starting five for North Carolina is. Could tell you a couple of the, the premier players. Great. I could tell you a couple of premier Who are the premier players in the G League right now? Right now? I don't know. Because we don't have a G League, man. We don't know who's there and who's out. Because no one pays attention to them because the, the quality of basketball is not that great. They're working on specific things for some of these specific players, but it's not about winning and losing. Well, yeah, of course. It's like AAA baseball, man. It, that's exactly it. You're right. Because it's about. Because it, it's Snyder, a different mentality. No, it's not a different. Look, well, Quinn Snyder talked about this, and so did Dennis Lindsay. Do you remember when Dante Exum and Alec Burks were dropped, not dropped, excuse me, were asked to go get reps in uh, with the Salt Lake City Stars since their bench was pretty darn full? Raul Neto did the exact same thing. I was covering the Salt Lake City Stars, I was doing radio. And so I would go and interview the guys after. And then finally, the question came to Dennis Lindsay and so much of why is Alec Burks being quote unquote demoted to go play for Salt Lake City Stars? And him and Snyder had to both come out and say, look, it's not a demotion. They're getting minutes to get better, they're learning to progress in our system. The Salt Lake City Stars run the exact same system as the Utah Jazz. Why? Because when they call them up, it's not a, holy crap, i got to learn something new. It's, okay, we're going to run this with a European pick right. and roll, and you're going to sure. be able to run and it. I, I don't dispute any of that. I think there's a tremendous value in having the G League. That is why, but that's why. So, yeah, you're right. It's. I just don't think going straight to the G League has the same benefit as if you had a chance to play for a Premier college basketball Because program. you're learning the NBA game quicker than you would be if you were in college of basketball. Well, and that's, I think, part of the, the allure for some of these players that, look, I can just play ball. I don't have to worry about going to school. I don't have to worry about compliance. I don't have to worry about my books. Uh, I don't have yeah. to worry about some of these other rules and regulations that I have to abide by if I go sure. the college route. Understood. And so there are reasons that the G League is better for some guys. But to say that it's a better league than college basketball... That's where I'm going to disagree. Because you feel like Kentucky playing a couple of think, teams I during think, the season. I think a, a is, Kentucky, a Duke, a North Carolina, your blue chip programs, that's a better program producing better athletes, better competition, game in and game out. No, if not, you went straight not to the game G in League. and game out. Kentucky playing Tennessee doesn't do you jack. Kentucky playing Vanderbilt doesn't do anything for you. But going to the NBA and G League, okay, you look at a few outliers, count. but look at their season on a whole. Look at their competition level as a whole. Look at their NCAA tournament as a whole. Their conference tournament as a whole. It's going to give you better competition, better reps, more exposure, better talent. More than if you're exposure, going to be in the, definitely. In the G better League. talent. There's no way. Look how like you look at that Texas Tech team in the national championship game or in the final four, whatever it was. Um, how many guys ended up going to the G League? I mean, I, I, I've, I don't think a lot of them did. A lot of them who went to the Final Four didn't even make G League level talent. So if that's the case, 
I mean, you get Dane and... Okay, so you want to speak about getting Dane and Dare night in and night out talent as competition. You go into play as... I mean, you're a guy from BYU or Utah State, and you play a point guard who was playing at UCLA, who wasn't good... Who, didn't make, who got drafted, but wasn't on an NBA roster because, by the way, he got drafted by the Houston Rockets, and they already have a starting point guard a starting point guard in Russell Westbrook. And he's not going to go start or back up Russell Westbrook. But he gets G League level talent experience. He's from UCLA, and you get to go play against this kid. Uh, some first-round talent probably doesn't even get to start in the NBA. They start in the G League. And as soon as they have grown through the system and gotten better, where they were, by the way, at times, when available and when handy, like... For example, Jerry Sloan and Phil Johnson, who are scouting, uh, would constantly go over there and and watch those Sully City Star games to scout the talent. Sure. Uh, yeah. Again, I don't disagree that there's a purpose and uh, a utility of the G League. Uh, I think there are some talented players there, but I think if you're if you're Marquette, you're going to play against some really good teams in a really good conference. And you're you're playing against a lot of NBA level starting NBA level type players in the G League. Maybe if you're lucky, a ha- very small handful of those guys might make an NBA roster. And even if they do, they're not going to be playing starter minutes. Like if you're the premier level of college basketball, some of the competition that you'll face. You can call into our show at 435-752-1069. Brett's on the line. Brett, what do you got for us? You know, Eric, I can't believe you're making me say this. I thought I would never say it, but AJ is totally right. Because <laughs> <laughs> here's – actually, you know what? Before I begin, Brett, let's hear your reasoning of this. Yeah, please. Why, well, why do you agree with AJ? You know, with, with you talk about – guys who get significant time, there's only 20 players in the country every year who get significant time on an NBA team. If you're not one of the first 20 drafted, it's extremely rare that that you get significant NBA time. Everybody else, every year that comes out, um, deserves time in the G League and is in the G League. But pretty much the starting five on any G League team some would start for every college, but maybe three in the country. You know, Kentucky and Duke, you know, are always going to grab top-level players. But but other than that, college basketball, unless, you know, I can't hardly even watch it anymore. The talent is so diluted because everybody leaves after they're a freshman that's got any talent. That That is an issue that some of the, the best – uh, players, talented ish, uh, players, uh, leave early because they get their moment in the sun, and uh, the people around them are telling them, "You got to get paid now." And then they they have a limited time in, in at the college level and jump to the NBA early. Yeah, and so they don't get there isn't good competition in the in the NCAA other than those few games when you have uh, you know great freshmen playing great freshmen. That's a great point. Hey, Brett, thank you so much for the phone call. Greatly appreciate you. Yep, bye. 
I'm oh, serving my purpose to uh, once in a while get people to agree with Aja. Four three five <laughs> seven five two one zero six nine. Brett, great call. Thank you so much for doing so. Not just saying that because you agreed with me. Uh, if you want to call in four three five seven five two one zero six nine. If you want to text in four three five three three nine zero three two one. Let in fact, let's put that question out there. Eric brought it up. How do we get here in the first place? I don't oh, know. We're Bill way Bailey's off. son. Yeah, that's yes. right. Thank you, 5338, for the conversation. Uh, is G League talent equal to or worse than collegiate talent? Is it better talent in college basketball than it is in G League? Think carefully about that. It's not a trick question. Uh, but it's it's good conversation. We're going to take a break, though. we got to come back. Uh, it's about a five-minute break. We'll start with this week in the NFL when we come back. We'll finish up this conversation. We'll get back to where we started, Circle of Life, uh, and we'll get back to our NBA conversation, the playoffs. Do you end the regular season, or do you go straight into the playoffs, and is the format? What do you do about the format? Right, because one of the big issues with the NBA is that not every team has the same number of games left on their schedule. So that's a little problematic when you look at matchups and tiebreakers and things like that. Full Court Press. Eric Franson there. I'm Aj Salveson. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and LJ Salveson here wrapping up another show with the Full Court Press on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, someone asked me, Eric, hey, when are you guys getting back to two-hour shows? Because I love being able to get in my car and not <laughs> I listen to a station down south. Is what it, uh, I'll just I'll paraphrase is what he said. Uh, he goes, I'd rather listen to unbiased radio guys who support uh, Aggie Athletics. Uh, and I said, well, give us till July. And probably by July, there's a chance that we'll be back to two hours. So, everyone, hold tight. Like, we're going to get there. We promise. And then we're going to give you the best Aggie football coverage. We're going to give you great coverage on the Utah Jazz. You'll hear the Utah Jazz games on this radio station. We'll break it down for you after the game. We'll preview the game before. Uh, we'll get you as many interviews as possible. Uh, we'll get you ready for baseball season, two when that comes back. So, we'll get there. It's just going to be just a little bit longer. Um and uh, we'll be back. I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so one of the things that's being floated out there for the NBA to resume and return is uh, one of the things that seems to be prevailing ideas is that they won't go to the full 82 games. They'll play up until 72 games. So for some teams, that's only a handful of games. Five, seven games, seven to eight games maybe. For others, it's maybe about 10 games. So if you're the Phoenix Suns, do you really want to go out there and kill yourself to get ready <laughs> to play seven games? Here's a better question. Okay, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are, are, I guess, and Draymond Green, if you really want to use that, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, some of these guys aren't going to be in the playoffs but have been out for so long. Do you let them get reps coming back in or you say, you know what, I'm not risking you guys. You're too important. Let's just have wait. Kevin Durant could be. I mean, the, the Nets are currently in seventh position in the East. So suddenly, if you insert a Kevin Durant in the Eastern Conference playoffs, how interesting does that get? Hmm. But one of the ideas is, similar to the NHL, 
okay, let, what if we expand the field to give those teams that are on the bubble the, the opportunity? And part of that is why we have these extra games maybe being played to get them that chance to make it. Eastern Conference is pretty well set. Uh, Wait, what's the Wizards, like? Wizards are just on the outside, and they're like five and a half games out. Okay, so they could so be it's out very of it. slim chance that they would make it in. But Portland Trailblazers, you know, they're they're uh, three and a half games, so a little bit closer. So are New Orleans and Sacramento. They're all three and a half games out. But Damian Lillard says, "I'm not. It's not going to make it a point for me. I'm not going to go out there and do it. I'm not going to play. My team's not going to make the playoffs." And not going to be in the playoffs, and I'm not just going to. I'm not going to participate. Do you agree with that? I can't blame him. Fair enough. I mean, I'd love to see the players play, but if we're getting everybody back together, and some of these half the league is not even going to make the playoffs, it's going to be bad basketball. You're going to see a lot of deep bench guys playing, and if it's just playing the game for the sake of playing the game, um, I, I guess those are those tune-up games for the the playoff teams to get themselves ready for what's better and what's to come. Did you hear about this Mark Cuban idea? He suggested a plan uh, to the NBA League that would include all 30 NBA teams playing five to seven regular season games for a play-in tournament to determine the final two playoff seeds. Why? That makes no sense to uh, me. I, that, well, uh, but you know what? Check where he's at in the playoffs, and that probably would make more sense then. Because there would be two play-in matchups, either single games or best three series, Versus uh, the seeds of 17 and 20 and 18 and 19. And then the winners would advance to play the 15th and 16th seed. So that would probably benefit Dallas. That's probably why you shouting that uh, out. Maybe. I, I get it. These are these are drastic and unique times. and we, They take unique measures to make things work. But there has to be some logic and sense to it as well. I, I, but... Bottom line is there's a real desire to have these games played. And we have seen that when there is live sports, viewership follows because we've been very hungry for it for a long time. Good night, everybody. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The NBA announced this weekend that they're looking into resuming the season in late July in Orlando. The long-rumored single-site solution is coming closer to reality, which is great for basketball fans but means the league has to work through a host of logistical issues. But regardless of what they come up with, one thing is for sure. At the end of the season, there will be a debate about the validity of the championship. And it's funny because no one ever talks about the legitimacy of titles in strike-shortened years. Most people don't even know which years lost games for work stoppages. For some fans, the asterisk debate will come down to one key point. Do you like the team that won? It might be more fair for fans to declare their opinions on the season in July. Don't wait to see who wins before measuring its legitimacy. Or even better, be grateful the NBA is coming back and enjoying players going all out to win, asterisk or not. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.